If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. My name is Howard H. Smith. I am your host. Uh, you may know me as lead singer of UK thrash metal band Acid Rain. You may know me as the host of the Talking Bollocks podcast. You can click on my name in the description. It's highlighted. There's a link there to all other podcasts where I chat to people from the world of metal. But this podcast is all about Motorhead and I am merely your guide through this wonderful world. And as we all know, there is something happening in the universe of Motorhead at the moment. Um, The first ever career-spanning very best of Motorhead is coming out. It's called Everything Louder Forever, the definitive collection of their loudest anthems, which is out on the 29th of October. So if you're listening to this before then, pre-order. If you're listening to it after then, congratulations, you've already got it, presumably. Um, It's going to be available on Deluxe Foldout Quadruple LP, Gatefold Double LP, 2CD as well as streaming and Sony 3D Spatial Audio. Not quite sure what that is, but I'm sure it will be amazing and all the more for having some Motorhead. So... Um, Coming up in this episode is an interview, a chat with Ace from Skunkanancy, one of the UK's best loved um, rock slash metal bands of the last 20 years. Um, I've met Ace before, but it was many years ago and we've, uh, we've got friends in common and we just sat on a Zoom and he just told some wonderful, wonderful stories, including how he ended up going on his stag do with Lemmy. Yeah, that's right. So instead of me just doing loads of spoilers, why don't we just get straight in to the interview? Here's Ace. Ace, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Welcome to the Motorcast. Um, Excellent. Fantastic. I, I, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, I always start these the same way, and that is how did you sort of first come across Motorhead? Um, I'm kind of like a lifer, really, because I started listening to Motorhead when um, kind of the tail end of Bomber, you know, right. when Ace of Spades came out. So my right. first ever yeah. show was the Ace of Spades. I went to the Ace of Spades with my brother. It was my birthday present from my big brother. Wow. Three, three pounds. <laughs> yeah. Three pounds for a ticket. And it was in the Hammersmith Odeon. No, not Hammersmith. It was um, Birmingham Odeon. Right? And it was the night that they broke the world sound record. They beat the Who. And I think they did 120 decibels on that gig. And it was my first ever concert. So can you imagine that? Seeing Motorhead for the wow. first time, breaking the sound barrier, doing the Ace of Spades. It was the Ace Up Your Sleeve Tour, 1980. And so, I can only presume that that, to this day, is still the greatest birthday present you've ever had. It's the best gig I've ever been to, to be honest. It, was, it launched everything I do. Because before that, obviously, we'd seen them on the TV and they were just... It was bomber time, wasn't it? Just before that, right, where they kind of started to emerge in that sense, you know, to the mainstream. And yeah. so we like rushed out and put all their previous records, like Overkill and the first one on parole. So me and my brother, we were like massive fans and we had everything we could up to the, you know, the Ace of Space. And the Ace of Space came out and it just blew the world apart at that point. And then that was like the, the hot ticket, about three pounds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he took me and I was 12. So I was completely converted. And I came wow. home from the show and I just said, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And at such an early age as well, that's that's 
you know, it's an early, as early in, um, indoctrination as possible is, is preferable. Yeah, I mean, and I started it, literally I started playing an instrument from then, you know, literally about a year later when I managed to get hold of a guitar, you know, I didn't know money at the time. Um, you know, we'd all formed a band in our head at school already, you know what I mean? You're going to be this and that. And right, um, yeah. I went out and my dad bought me a guitar for 20 quid for my birthday and Christmas present combined. So that's kind of my monetary status at the time. Your parents, and, um, your parents sound like mine. The old, uh, yeah. yeah. If, it, if it's, if it's a bit, if it's big, if it's big, it's going to have to be your birthday and your Christmas present. Yeah, exactly. It's only 20 <laughs> quid. So I mean, imagine that I had to wait for it as well. I didn't give it to me straight away, but um, yeah, it kind of put me on the path and that's how I started. I just started listening to records and learning riffs and, and all that kind of yeah. thing. And the amazing thing about it is like, you know, about 10 years ago, I opened my own schools and I wrote a course and I dedicated the, the course to Bass Eddie Clark. Right? Oh, awesome. Starting me off in the right direction. And I actually got in touch with him and, and sent it to him and said, you know, this is so, you know, if you ever see my book, the foreword is actually dedicated to him for putting me on that path as a guitar player. Oh, that's awesome. What's your, what's your book called? It's well, it's the Ace Guitar Academy. It's the way of, um, you know, it's how to how to play guitar. I'm actually just creating an online course of it now, like 10 years later. I've got got some schools in Italy. You know, I had some in England, but, they, you know, some come yeah. and some go, you know. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, so I could say wholeheartedly that, the, you know, the, the trajectory I went on all came from listening to Mohead, get excited by it, go to the show, just blow me away. It's a whole new dimension for me. And then yeah. from there, I was obsessive, you know, collected everything. Went, I went to every single tour, right, up until uh, a year or two ago, you know, just before Lemmy passed, right? I went yeah. to, I think I only ever missed one or two in, 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 25 30 years and I ended up playing wow. them as well which is great. right now that's a big that's a big leap right there we've gone from uh we've gone from like seeing the first gig to playing with them how the hell did that happen if we, you know what it was uh, I, I mean I I was you know we were friends as a band but also Lemmy for for like a long time 20 years or something like this and, and I um I got married and I I, I invited Lemmy to the wedding, right? And he couldn't come, he was in town. Um, he couldn't come because he was doing the Hawkwind reunion, right? right. And I, I, and so, but that night I met up with the rest of the band in a hotel, you know, when I got back from the wedding, right? And with my new wife and, and we, we met in the band and uh, with the Havana the hotel, we were all having drinks and, um, you know, they said, oh, we really want you to come and play with us tomorrow for our 25th anniversary. Um, so that's how long ago it was. It was 20, that was 21 years ago. Right. And uh, I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. You know, so I went and I played uh, Overkill with them. But I might have played one time before or after. I did another time when I went and played with them as well. And I can't remember if it was before or after that. But it was amazing. It was so loud. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, <laughs> how loud was it on stage? It was louder on stage than it is out the front. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like, it's insane. so it's, loud. It's insane. It's insane, right? And you, you I, I mean, it's so loud, you can't hear anything, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're playing, you're almost playing by memory, right? Because it's like unreal. But it's, it's great because it's an experience you'll never forget. And they're so Clearly, fast yeah. and they're so tight, right, as a band. You just don't appreciate it in a sense until you play with them. And then you're like, how do I keep up with this? 
Do you know what I mean? That that so, sounds uh, that sounds like um like a kind of like three and a half minutes of musical panic where it's just like you've just got to hold on for the ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. The train, the train is there, man, and it goes, and you've got to hang on. And in yeah. fact, I do remember I did play with them previous to that. That's why I knew the song. That's when they said to me, come and play with us for our 25th, that I was prepared for it. I played with them in, uh, it was a really good venue. It was in London. It was like the, the Academy, or the Brixton Academy or, or the Forum, one of those really good ones, you know. And yeah. they brought the bomber back for that show. So, wow. you know, the big right. iron plane was on it, which is like I hadn't seen since I was a kid, you know, like yeah. that thing. And it was like a really special show. And, and you know, Lemmy had asked me to come and play that with them. So I've had this kind of fantastic relationship with them, all of them really, for, for years of, of popping in and out, coming to the shows, playing at the shows, them coming to our shows, you know. Yeah. And that must have been that must have been amazing. Just putting my myself in your shoes for a minute as a as a 12, 13 year old boy seeing the bomber tour and the bomber lighting rig and then all those years later playing on stage with the band under that lighting rig i mean that's it was, just yeah, it, was, it was awesome and i think i don't know if it was that show or the other one but brian may played on there as well right and the best <laughs> wow. the best thing the best thing about my kind of relationship with motorhead over the 20 years plus that i knew them there was all these fantastic stories that just came out of the moment situations so for instance, when we did the 25th anniversary, right, I got married, right, the yeah. night before, didn't I, right? And I said to my wife, is it all right if I go and play with Boathead? You know, we can all go down, you know, um, that, that night. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm with her and we go to the back of the academy and everyone's like, congratulations, congratulations. I'm thanked. They go, let me stand the end, right? So I go in a room and let me go, oh, congratulations on your wedding. We're going to have a party at the Hard Rock tonight, all this stuff. He goes, you'll be playing Overkill. You've got like the third solo or whatever. He goes, and there's a chill out room at the back. Some guests are in there, right? And you can go and hang there. And I'm like, great. And I'm with my wife. And we go, yeah, yeah, great. Okay. And I go to the room, right? And I go in a room. This is no word of a lie, right? It's me, my wife, and these other people. And the other people were Jeff Beck, Brian May, and Noel Redding, right? All right, and I walk in, and they all know about the wedding. Like, congratulations! Oh, hello, like this, and it was the most surreal thing I've ever done. You know what? It's back in the day before camera phones as well. You know, so we couldn't all snap the situation. It was so amazing. Oh, and oh, and um, uh, Eddie was there. uh, Eddie Clark. Wow, that was in there too. So it was like um, uh, just an amazing moment. I was like, you know, how can I believe this? It was it was really good. And then after the show, we played the show. And then after we all went to the Hard Rock and we had this like amazing party there. So I was like really honoured, you know, and privileged to have experienced that, you know. And um, so that was kind of a pinnacle, another moment in my life. But I think the earlier things, you know, were really inspiring for me. Like, you know, first of all, seeing them, then it got me on the path to play. Right. But then when I first met them, you know, on tour, that was like, quite mind-blowing and I've still got some Polaroids from that as well you know so we first the first time we ever met we were in Germany and um we had a we had a show and and the tour manager said oh Motorhead want to come to your show and we're like of course of course get them in there so you know we played and I could see them on the side of the stage and I was like oh my god this is amazing because this is like this is over 20 years ago this is right near the beginning of the band 
And um, someone rumoured to me that, oh, Lemmy really likes like the music, you know, the band. And, and I was like, really? That's amazing. And so I look over and I see him there. And I'm, there you go. This is iconic, you know, rock and roll god there at the side of the stage. And the other guys too. And I, I think it was Phil and uh, at that point it was, it was it, Phil Campbell and Mickey, right? And so anyway, um, we play the show and they all come back to the bus. And an overnight sensation has just come out. And Lemmy goes, look what I've got. And he puts it in this, the tape player, whatever, you know, the CD player. And he continues to sing us all of the songs of Overnight Sensation, right? Um, while he's chatting and we're all drinking. And we all get absolutely fucking plastered. I mean, that's the one thing is whenever you have a night with him, you always end up crawling out of a place, right? And, and we drop them off, right? And we, well, we don't drop them off. They get off the bus and we're like, yeah, see you later, great. And we drive off into the distance, right? And years later, Lemmy said to me, you know, when you dropped us off that night he goes we had to fucking walk back because there was no cabs <laughs> because we had to walk miles back to the town to our place right? but from there then there was this thing whenever lenny used to come into london or phil or whatever they used to come to the skunk fancy shows so what yeah. a lot of people didn't know was whenever we were playing brixton academy or the docklands or something like this to my right on the stage with my rowdy in the station there was always lenny standing there and it was like awesome. such a buzz for me to play a show. Because, you know, if you like being watched with someone like that, it's going to yeah, make you play yeah, even yeah. better. So I had that privilege for many shows in London. And he always used to come back and have a great one-liner, you know, always a great one-liner. And uh, like one of them, it was like, um, just when they changed the smoking rules, you couldn't smoke in the venue. And he comes in the room and he goes, Ace Man, can I, can I smoke in here? And I went, well, Lemmy, they've kind of changed the rules. You're not allowed to smoke inside. And he goes, that's their rules. What's yours? Like this. <laughs> and I love it. He was always like, he always had these kind of, gr- and I was like, dude, smoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's awesome. He, he would make you think, you know, like, the, you know, are, are you a conformist? You know, because he always did what he wanted. So, but it was like all these different things, you know, I, I would meet with him so many times in different situations. So, for instance, if he came into town, into London, he'd give me a call and um, we'd go out somewhere. You know, if it was, I remember us going to that party. What was the jackass, the nutty guys? And they're all give yeah. nurses with syringe shots, you know, vodka and all this kind of thing. And all these kind of things. We used to go to um, sometimes to the clubs, you know, or go into Camden and watch some shows. Always people used to, their jaw used to drop when they used to see him walk into the place as well. It was always quite strange. You're like, put Lemmy's in my gig, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. we had we had quite a lot of fun hanging out and drinking. And, um, you know, I had a classic, uh, like my my stag night was with Lemmy. So that was kind of quite classic. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't it brilliant? It's a brilliant you, story. You had, you, had a, you had a stag do with Lemmy. That is insane. Of sorts. Yeah. You know what? I was getting married and my wife said to me, why didn't you have a stag night? Right. And I said, oh, I hate stag nights. It's just like getting drunk, strippers, blah, 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 all this stuff. No, it's not me. You know, it's just not me. Right. And so she goes, I said, oh, Lemmy's coming into town. And she goes, why don't you go out with Lemmy for your stag night, right? So guess what? <laughs> Everything I said all came true. So Brilliant. I was like, yeah. So he, he called me and, and I said, let's let's go out. You know, I'm, I'm getting mad. And so he took me to Stringfellows. Right? right. And, you know, his best mate was Peter Stringfellow, wasn't he? Right. Right. Yeah. So we, we met Peter, at, you know, at the, the gate to heaven. And um, then we went downstairs, right? 
And uh, the thing is, what people, I suppose, if they know Lemmy or didn't know Lemmy, is he was like an ultimately nice person, right? Everyone loved him. And he was actually really, he was very, he was a good gentleman. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he was, there's no way he was a misogynist, sexist bastard or anything like that. He was, you know, he was really polite, especially to all the women I ever saw him, you know, encounter around me. So when we went into Stringfellows, it was all these kind of dodgy looking guys watching all the, you know, all that lot. And we went and sat at the bar and all the, all the girls who worked there all came up. They're like, hey, Lem, how you doing? He goes, oh, this is Ace, my friend Ace. And introduced me. And we all just sat there having, you know, drinking tons of Jack Daniels. And you could smoke at that time at a bar, like a hundred Marlboro cigarettes hanging out. <laughs> with them. We, we had an amazing evening, right? It was an amazing evening. But there was one moment right, where he said to me, I've bought you a dance. And I'm like, what? He goes, no, I've bought you a dance, right? And I was like, oh, okay then, right? What do I do here? And I sat down and I was a bit, to be honest, I was a bit embarrassed, right? And I yeah. sat down and oh, I don't know where to look. I don't know what to do. And this girl starts dancing in front of me and she says, oh, you're a friend of Lemmy's, what do you do? And, and like, um, oh, I'm in a band like this. And then she starts telling me her life story. Oh, I'm a singer. I've been this and that and, and dancing in front of me. And I was just, you know, that one of those moments where you just want to get out of it. I was like, yes. please stop. I yeah. really want this to stop now. Right. But anyway, it, it transpires. We were the last people in the venue. They chucked us out right? <laughs> <laughs> at like 4.30 in the morning. And it was just an amazing night, you know, just really fun. And the hangover was intense. I mean, literally. Yeah. I really had like to take a couple of days to get over that. It was oh, I, I, I don't think I've ever drunk so much in my life in one go, to be honest. Because he he would drink constantly, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I, he, I, he would... I I never I never actually met the guy, believe it or not. Oh yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like so, a machine, you know. You know. And you'd never see him legless. He'd never fall over. He was never drunk, slurring his speech. He was just yeah. like just just like just like one drink after another after another you know um, well this is this is what you know what people have said is that you know he was um uh, it, it was he was exactly the way people thought he was he was you know there was no image there was just lemmy yeah 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 you know? and you know and, and all there was like every time i went out with him as well he, you know it's one of those people that never let you down Right. Yeah. You know, like some famous people, right? If you see them across the party and, and there's someone more famous than you by them, they kind of pretend they don't recognize you or they're like, oh, I'm talking to, you know, blah, blah, blah now, Bono or something like this. And like this. He wasn't like that. Right. It didn't matter whether you were the famous lead singer or you were a drummer in a band or whatever that he knew. He would always go, dude, how you doing? Come over. And he'd invite you over and he'd, he'd introduce you to whoever he was with and you'd have a drink with him and he'd buy a drink, you'd buy him a drink. So in all the 20 years or so, I knew him. He never let me down as a person. I was always impressed with him. He was mm. never rude to anyone, uh, in, not in front of me anyway, you know, and he was always together and he was really funny and he gave <laughs> me a great quote every time I saw him. You know, I love, I love the one was like, we were driving in a taxi one day and he pulls up to uh, an antique shop and he goes in and he buys like a dagger, right? Because, you know, I had all those daggers and things. And he goes, there ain't no pension in rock and roll. And I love <laughs> that one, right? You know, it's like, so he was collecting all these things because they were worth money, you know. Uh, yeah. Just, I had these, you know, the rock and roll parties right down to visiting him 
when he was waiting for a visa and we were watching Antiques Roadshow in the afternoon, drinking those little spirit things at the bar, you know, that you get in yeah. the bar, get mindlessly <laughs> drunk, you know. What, watching Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, yeah, he loved that. He loves all that stuff. Well, you know, he loved all that stuff. But that, the, but that is such a, that is kind of such a lemmy sort of story as well, isn't it? It's like mm. this, this just, this random Antiques Roadshow aspect, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, just not the kind of thing that you would expect most rock stars to be uh, to be I, into. I, I like that. You know, they made that movie of him and Ozzy Osbourne had that quote and he said, he's Lemmy, you can take him or leave him. He doesn't give a fuck. And I thought that was really <laughs> great. It's true. He didn't care what people yeah. thought of him, but he carried himself in a way that was reasonable, right? Do you know what I mean? So he didn't have a reason for people to think bad of him but he didn't care he just lived the way he wanted to live and that's the way I think everyone would love to be it was like he just lived the rock and roll dream in a way even though it was tough to live that way he did what he wanted to he he went where he wanted to he he drank what he wanted to he wore the clothes he wanted to and he was his own person and and I think he represented something that a lot of people really admired and respected more so than you know it lived his his um what he represented and his persona was probably even bigger than his rock and roll image. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and his spirit lives on, um, oh, yeah. you know, hence here we are having this conversation on the podcast, you know, um, he's, you know, he's iconic yet extremely kind of down to earth for everybody who said, you know, everyone I've spoken to has always said the same thing, you know, that, he was he was polite. He was courteous. He was well read. He was friendly. He was funny. He was intelligent. Um, and once you were in with him, you were in with him. That was and yeah, that was yeah. it. You know, and that that sort of chimes into what you're saying about you know ne- never letting you down. It's like yeah, once you were in that inner circle, you had to do a lot to get out of it. Because I had a great moment where I, I recorded a track with him. Right, so I wrote and recorded a track with him. And um, we did the first bit in L.A., and uh, it, which was a great evening, actually, because after that, we went to the Rainbow and we had one of those nutty nights. I mean, it was just fantastic. But um, he said he rang me up and he said when I was back in London, oh, uh, you know, I, I want to redo some of the lyrics. Right. And I said, OK, I'll, bu- I'll, book a re- I'll book a studio. Right. And so he came down and he finished a track and he said to me, he just turned around to me and because he knew I was a lifelong Motorhead fan. He knew all that. I told him before. And he said to me, oh, that's one of your re- dreams realised then. What are you going to do next? Right? Because <laughs> right? he knew that I would always yeah. want to do this. And yeah. I said to him, it's funny you should say that. I've got something here, right? And I pulled out my Motorhead collection, right? From when I was 12, I had the white labels. I had all of the vinyls. I had the special editions. Everything from day one of my head, right? And yeah. I said, including concert programmes. said, sign this for me, right? And he goes... Yeah. Oh, fuck, you know, you know, like this, like kind of like as if, oh, this is a pain in the ass, you know, like that, yeah. like in his, in his kind of jokey kind of voice. And then he really got into it because he started looking at it and he was like, oh, this is the uh, white label. And this is the, I even had like the promo copy of, of Overkill without, with the, um, like, the, I don't know what you call it, like the proof of the album cover. Has right. Got yes. The writing on yeah. it, the tracks or anything on just the artwork proof. Right. 
And he was like, oh, look at that. And he goes, oh, this single was like so-and-so. And this one came out here. And that was the B-side of that. And he looked through the collection and he signed every single one of them with wow. different comments on it, right? <laughs> Including the programs, right? And so, I mean, it was a box, you know? I mean, you're talking, I don't know how many pieces there was because I had all the CDs in there and I had reissues. I had everything right up to, it was up to the one uh, March or Die or so. No, We Are Motorhead. It was up to about that time. Yeah, and uh, he signed the whole lot for me, and he gave me. But it was it was fascinating because he he when he was looking through it, he actually kind of went validated me as a fan. You know, I told him I was the biggest Mothead fan ever, and when he saw it, he was like, "Okay, I get you now. You haven't bullshitted me." Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And even and even more so, he knew. Yeah, you've definitely realised one of your dreams now. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. That's brilliant, and it seemed. It also seems like he was. He was so. He was so willing to do that kind of thing because he. He did a, a shit ton of collaborating. Yeah, when, yeah you yeah. know when he was around, and it was. And, it, and again, that speaks to the. Hey, you know, Lem, do you want to come and sing our song? Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. I mean, you know, he was, and he was such a great supporter of of Skunk and Nancy as well. He was always saying about how he loved the songs, and every time he met the band, he was so cool with us all. Everyone in the band loved him. You know what I mean? And um, you know, it was great. And he left a trail of kind of goodwill for us because every time we went to radio stations like hard rock places, they'd say, "Oh yeah, we had Lemmy in the other day," and he was saying that he really liked the the band. Is in fact, it's it's one of his favourite bands. And we're like, "That's just amazing," you know. And yeah. There was we had a time actually just after he died, right? Which was like I I just thought like you know like the Don McLean song, you know, the death of rock and roll, whatever it is, American Pie, you know, the day the music died, right? When he died, I I really did feel it was like an end of an era for me because I'd been immersed in that music and as a friend of his since I was 12. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was why I learned to play all the gigs I went to all over the years. You know, I became his friend, we made records, we played together. And everything, right? And so he'd been a part of my life, really, since I was about 12. And when he died, I felt like, oh, this is like really, you know, it's like an end of an era for me, you know. I kind of, you know, he, he will always live on. I know it sounds corny or cliche. He always live on because he's kind of part of my makeup, right, or my psyche. But we, me and Skin went to this interview in Switzerland or something. And I, they did one of the last interviews with him before he died. And so we're sat in this interview and the guy goes to us, oh, by the way, we, uh, we had Lemmy in, uh, you know, a few weeks ago and um, uh, he did an interview with us and he said this about you guys. And he played it to me in skin and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, one of my favorite ever bands is like Skunk and Nancy because this and that and blah, blah, blah. And we both started crying on air. Oh, man. In the interview. We started crying on air in the radio interview. He was like, the radio DJ oh. was really, oh, my God, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And we were like, it's all right. It's good tears, you know? But it was so, it was so heavy. Oh, mate. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm welling up. You telling me the story. That is, I, oh. I know. You know, and that, and, but that, that must have that must have like come from absolutely nowhere though. I mean, you I literally know, sat there all of a sudden. Oh, here's what Lemmy said to you a couple of weeks <laughs> ago before he died. And gee, Christ, I know oh, it was. That's insane. Yeah, it was. So you know, as I said like the kind of and and the legacy of uh, what what I love about <clears throat> Mothead was you know they always stuck true to what they did, didn't they? You know, yes. You know, yeah. they, they, they never went off and made a disco album. So if you had a big motorhead tattoo, you're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, basically, basically. You're safe. Basically. You're safe. <laughs> yeah. 
but they, but they 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 did what they did, and the reason they could keep doing it is because there's only one Motorhead. There was yeah. no one else. You know, it's like it's Motorhead. If you want Motorhead, you go over there. Is it you know? Is there anywhere else you can go? No. You know? No, that's that's true. I mean, I got through um, some of the latest stuff, you know, so I got that leather jacket set, which I thought was fantastic. Right? The 1979, you know, era. And that was that was fab. I love the way they presented all that with all the singles. But I got the Ace of Spades set with the poker table in it and the dice and the shot glasses and all that stuff. There's something about it, isn't it? Like there's only a few bands that have an icon kind of, uh, you know, iconography or whatever, you know, around them that is so powerful, right? And so, you know, there's like the Rolling Stones, isn't there, with a big tongue and a couple yeah. of other ones, right? But Motorhead's one of those. You know, if you get a box set by them or you get something, you know, that's an official thing, it, it is cool, isn't it? It's a collector's thing. I've got tons of stuff like that. It's well, um, it, it's all it's all within that, like you say, that that iconography, that that image, the it's like it's just all cool. And you just look mm. at the logo. It's spiky. It's silver. You know, it's yeah. just like it's 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 all, you know, it's all perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and I and I also I think that's why um, Motorhead kind of as a brand, as opposed to a band, has kind of crossed mm. over to the mainstream as well and the mainstream media. And you see, like you know, T-shirts with Motorhead logos, you know, in mainstream clothing shops because yeah, yeah. it is just it's just kind of spread right across into the mainstream. Motorhead's got to be possibly the ultimate in cool. When it comes to bands, the fact that there was yeah. the fact that it was three of them for most of the time as well, and creating such a noise is just unbelievable. It, it, it was like when I was a kid. What the, the appeal of it, appeal of it was? They were such a gang. It was like they were just like yeah. this united, unstoppable force. You know, for my for my twelfth birthday, my mum bought me a bullet belt. How cool is that? <laughs> right. That's brilliant. She said, she said, "What do you want for your birthday?" My brother bought me the Motorhead ticket. And my mum bought me a bullet belt from like the kind of like pop army navy type of I, store. I, army navy you know? store, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's where that's um, where I got my first bullet belt from, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like the coolest kid on the block. Do you know what I mean? And when I started playing guitar, it even just, you know, even went up another level from that. But you also, you know, obviously there's the Lemmy connection stuff, but also um uh Phil, you know, I've known Phil for as long as Phil's been around as well, right? Phil Campbell. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're still in touch. And in fact, he's actually, I, I work also in a music college, right? And uh, he's coming in next month here to do like a masterclass. And I was in another one where he came in and he was playing, you know, like the Ace of Space with the students, like proper, you know, proper playing kind of students. And uh, so I'm still in touch with Phil and, you know, bits and pieces and all that type of thing. So that's that's really nice. Mickey, yeah. I don't really know. I, I always just say hello if I was around, but he was always off somewhere else. But Lemmy yeah. and Phil were always together, weren't they? Like getting, yes. getting mashed up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm still in touch with Phil. And Phil's been amazing. You know, like, like when my kids were born, he sent me like motorhead baby grows, that kind of thing. Awesome. And, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the last time I spoke to him was probably a couple of months ago to kind of book up this, you know, masterclass. And he comes in and, you know, he's awesome. You know, the kids love him. He just goes, what should I do? And he just pulls up some riffs and he gives us some bad advice. And, uh, you know, and uh, he's, it's the same thing. You know, it's like he's like a bit of a living legend, you know. It's just, yeah. So 
so me and Phil, we, you know, we're still mates and, and we get on, you know. And that's, that, that's great because it's all still part of that, of that legacy, isn't it? It's part of the Motorhead yeah. legacy. And, it's, and it also means that, as you were saying earlier about, you know, the end of an era of, of Motorhead not playing and Lemmy passing, but it's, that friendship with Phil means that that connection is, is still there, that it still reaches all the way back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, he's a great guy, isn't he, Phil? He's really nice, you know. They're, I think that's what one thing about <coughs> Motorheads, what people maybe didn't catch about them, because I have this wild type of image. They were actually very nice people, yeah. right? And they were, and I think they're quite caring people as well, even though they may think, well, you know, I'm a wimp saying that and stuff. But I, I've, I, I always found that they were, you know, really cool with everyone around them, right from the fans to the crew, to the backstage yeah. people, to the other members of the band, everyone liked meeting them and having them around. Do you know what I mean? And um, I thought that was, you know, there's a lot of bands that I met that just didn't care. Do you know what I mean? They were, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. they only think about themselves. They always forget to put you on the guest list. And, you know, when someone walks yes. in the room, they're first yeah. to kind of like run off and chat to the most famous person or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of bands like that. But oh, you get you get to the you get to the guest list and yeah, AAA, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get yeah, yeah. there and it's like, no, here's your ticket. Go and stand. At yeah, the yeah. Yeah. And, and that, I think what was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think what was really uh, also motivated, they were very British. Having a Scandinavian drummer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, even though Lemmy was in LA, he didn't turn into a like an American rock star. You know what I mean? He was yeah, he was definitely a Welsh man in LA. <laughs> oh, he, he, he was British, he was British bulldog, wasn't he? Out yeah, there yeah. out there representing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um when was the when's the last time that you, you got to check in with him? Um gosh. Oh, probably about a year before he died, because I would always kind of round about his birthday, send him a card, you know, and a message. Right. And um, so he wasn't ill the last time I spoke to him. And in fact, the last picture I got with him was really fantastic. Right. Because I have pictures over the years with him, but it was like before camera phones, you know, so they're like those really bad kind of pictures or yeah. Polaroids. They've got some great Polaroids of us all jumping around with a band and stuff like this. And um, but the last good photo I think I took with him, it, we, we played together in Switzerland and he was um, he was saying, oh, this is the first time after all these years we are going to play a gig together. Right. Which was which was really nice. So we had the day hanging out backstage. Our area was Motorhead and Skunk. Right. Yeah. So we saw the guys and had a drink and all something. We had some nice pictures chatting there. But I just said to him, Lovely. like he knew I had a son. Right. And, you know, over the years, they like sent him stuff and all these kind of things. And um, I said to him, let me can we like do a wave and send it to my son? Right. Because I've been away for a while on tour. Right. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, sure. And um, so we basically took this like selfie and we're both waving to my son and I texted to my son. It was probably about, I don't know, nine or something at the time saying hi from dad and Lemmy, that type of thing. And that was the last picture we took together. And it's right. a wicked. It's a, just a beautiful picture because it wasn't taken for any other reason than like a, a, a little friendly wave to my to my son. So I really cherish that picture. It's not it's not the clearest or anything like that, you know. Yeah. But it's it's um, and then obviously we had some pictures where we were just backstage on the phone and with Cass and Mark and laughing and joking and that kind of thing. But I think I cherish that one the most. 
Yeah. I'm not surprised given its, you know, given its relevance and, and, you know, why it was taken and when it was taken. That's, yeah. um, uh, and also the fact that, like you say, it's, it's, it's two guys, isn't it? It's just two guys. It's not, it's not Ace from Skunk and Ancy. It's not yeah, Lenny yeah. from Motorhead. It's just two mates waving to one of their sons. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, what I love about the whole relationship there, right? Is I can I, every time I think about it or I talk to people about it, it's like glowing, isn't it? It's yeah. an amazing set of brilliant experiences, memories, and just like it, I'm so so lucky to have had that happen in my life. Yeah. I feel I really do appreciate life and everything around it, right? But that was like something really special, and I don't remember any bad times, anything like that, and I always have these brilliant memories that always make me laugh. You know, the well, stuff this is he it. Said, the things we did, you know. Well, this is it. I mean, I was going to say earlier, you know, every whenever whenever you've been telling any of these stories, you know, listeners will be able to hear the smile on your face. I can see it. Yeah, know? and it's like. You you know your face lights up because you know like you say you were lucky enough to have that man in your life for as long as you did and you've got some incredible experiences and stories that will last a lifetime. I think you know what I think one of the worst hangovers I've ever had in my life was with him. Right, <laughs> I was I went to I went to LA right to um, record this record right with him right and so I went over with the tapes and we, we had a studio booked it was. Bob Kulik or whatever, you know, his mate yeah. at that studio in Van Nuys. And um, so basically the next day I, I'd had a tattoo before in LA, right? So the next day I booked to, to have a tattoo with uh, Melrose Tattoo, right? And I had the design and stuff, right? And I thought, get that done, right? So I did a recording with Lenny, next day I'll get the tattoo. You know what's going to happen, don't you, right? So anyway, <laughs> we record the song, right, in the afternoon, right? In fact, he says to me, give me a call two hours before we need to leave, right? And pick me up, right? So I said, okay, then. So I call him at 12 and I go, Len, I'm going to pick you up at two. We go to the studio. He goes, great. We get in the cab. We're going to the studio. And I said, I didn't wake you up, did I? And he goes, oh, no, no, I didn't go to sleep last night. Right? <laughs> so here we go. Brilliant. We go to the studio. We, have a, we do the songs. We have a couple of Jack Daniels in the studio, but we're quite pretty much together, right? Then we go to the Rainbow. Right. And we got to Rando and he introduced me to all his friends and we start drinking, 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 drinking. Right. So anyway, we get chucked out of the rainbow in the end because it closes. Right. It's getting that late. <clears throat> he goes, come back to my place. <clears throat> so we go back to his place. I think we're with we might be with Paul. I can't remember his son, Paul Linda. And uh, we're just drinking, drinking, drinking. And I don't know what it's like. I don't know. Six o'clock in the morning is light. Right. And then he's like, do you want another drink? And I'm like, dude, I have to go. I can't even talk. I was that drunk, right? <laughs> okay, that's the last thing I remember. Next thing I remember, I wake up at like about eight or nine o'clock at night in the hotel room, right? Shh. Like, it's just the place is a wreck, you know? It's like just everything is knocked over, all the stuff on the floor. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, I don't even remember coming into the place. I'd slept for the whole day. I'd missed my <laughs> tattoo, right, my appointment. And honestly, it literally took me like two days to get over it. I felt so, I thought I was going to die. It was that kind of hangover. That but it, you know what? You never forget it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is one of the best excuses ever for missing a tattoo appointment. You know, you can <laughs> yeah, just, you yeah. can just like walk in and say, look, I'm sorry I missed my appointment yesterday. But yeah, yeah. I, I went out drinking with Lemmy. It's like, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you did the right thing. Um I, it, it just sounds incredible, man. It really does. And to all intents and purposes as well, you know, there must be times where you, where you miss him as well. 
Well, you know what? I, I, I kind of do in, in the sense that like, it was so great to bump into him every now and then. It was like a real highlight for me, especially doing what I do in a band. And, you know, we weren't just drinking Jack Daniels. You know, we would actually have conversations and we'd talk about music and he'd tell me about his love of the Beatles and he might play me some guitar and, and you know, and I'd talk about, you know, Nick Drake or something, try to introduce him to something that wasn't like 8,000 miles an hour. And um, so we'd have conversations about that and we'd talk about bands and record business as well and all these kind of things. So we'd have these kind of fun conversations. So I miss the fact that he was unique. That's what I really, really miss. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, but but what I what I do have is it, it, someone that strong and that personality that strong really, really, really lives on with you. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, he's made a, such an imprint on me, you know, as a person. Um, I think that's really impressive. I think it's, that's an amazing legacy um, uh, to take forward. Do you know what I mean? I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think that having that, uh, that voice in the back of your head, mm. you know, Lemmy's voice in the back of your head every now and then, that's, that's, that's as big as it gets, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always remember, the thing, thing I remember the most about him, he was really witty and he was really quick, you know, really quick and witty to kind of like make a joke. He was always laughing, you know. He'd always make a really quick witty joke and then laugh, like, <laughs> you know, like that, that kind of thing. And uh, just kind of would drop a one-liner every time I saw him. So that's one thing I always remember about him. You know, I don't ever remember seeing him in a, like, a particularly bad mood or miserable. But, you know, yeah. obviously he must have had those moments, but not not when when I was with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, I, look, mate, I, I, I thank you on behalf of everybody listening. Um, thanks for taking the time out to do this. It's been it's been absolutely awesome. And it's just thank you so much for sharing these amazing memories. It's brilliant. It's, you know what? It's a pleasure because it makes me feel great actually recounting them. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's been, well, it's been, it's been great listening to them, mate. It really has. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much for coming on. That's brilliant. Wicked. Have a great time. And yes, in case you were wondering, that was as much fun to do as it was to listen to. It was so much fun. Um, as you heard, just a great time. Thanks to Ace for coming in, sharing all those stories. Absolutely brilliant. And you guys have also been absolutely brilliant. You are subscribing, you are sharing, you are doing all the right stuff. And we are going to continue to do our bit and get you as many interviews with as many people who've got these amazing one-off stories about Motorhead. And the only place to hear them is here. And that's what you need to be telling any of your friends who aren't already listening. That's why they should be tuning in. And to do that... Please subscribe wherever you are, whatever device you are listening to this on there or, or watching. There is a button somewhere and it will say subscribe. There'll be a bell of some kind. You might have to like click that. But whatever it is, subscribe. And that will make sure that you get an episode every two weeks as soon as we release them. That's all you need to do. That and tell everybody know that you are really enjoying the Motorcast. Um, really enjoying doing it for you guys. And we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of The Motorcast. I don't say agreed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.